Good morning, everyone. It is the 15th of August. My name is Lorna Denny, and I'm joined today by Seamus Lyons and Alex Byrne. Equity markets continue to climb last week, with the Nasdaq now over 20% higher than the lows touched in mid-June, clearly hoping we've seen peak inflation with peak interest rates perhaps also in sight now. And inflation reports continue to dominate the headlines. Last week, it was the US CPI inflation, Seamus. Hi, Lorna. Yes, all eyes last week are on the July inflation print, given its possible implications for monetary policy, the economy and the stock markets. Headline consumer price inflation came in flat over the month, down from the 1.3% sequential uptick recorded the previous month in June, and more importantly, below the consensus estimate. So on an annualized basis, headline inflation came in at 8.5%, down from 9.1% in June. So much of this weakness in the headline index came as a result of a sharp decline in energy prices over the month that they fell close to four and a half percent over the month but it wasn't all good news there was other areas such as food inflation that continued to tick higher so that rose over one percent but all in all it was good on the headline side in the core inflation side which this is the part that excludes the more volatile food and energy this also came in below consensus estimates this was expected to rise over the month but it came in unchanged and again this was taken as a big positive so pretty good news on the inflation front And what about the producer price inflation? Yeah, so the trend of softer than expected July price readings, this repeated itself in this report. So in both the producer price index report and also another report, the import prices report, both which were released last week. So the headline PPI, that fell at 0.5% in July. And the core component of PPI, that rose a more modest 0.2%. Both of these were below expectations, which was for twice as fast monthly gain. This is the first pullback as well in the headline number since April of 2020. On the other report, the the import price index that fell 1.4% in July, its largest drop since the onset of the pandemic since April 2020, when import prices fell 2.6%. So again, all reports that came out last week on the inflation side showed a more positive picture than what was expected. It's quite a significant slowing in the US. And we had these same data series from China, Alex. Was it a similar picture there? Morning, Lorna. We did, yeah. Chinese consumer prices hit a two-year high, although this is still well below market expectations of 2.9% and clearly still well below that which we've seen in other Western markets. The key elements really was within food, where some items rose more than 20% from a year ago and increased the most on record month to month, although part of this is owing to longer term factors rather than those which we've mentioned recently. Non-food prices actually declined in July from June very slightly, reflecting perhaps weaker demand. Also partly the COVID lockdowns in many cities continuing, however, we're not seeing those recoveries in the other cities to offset that. What we have to consider in China's inflation versus European especially is the different trajectory of oil and gas prices. Given the reluctance of many European countries and the US and partners to buy these commodities from Russia, it's left China in a very advantageous negotiating position on the buying side. Despite this, China unexpectedly this morning cut two of their key rates, the one-year and seven-day lending rates by 10 basis points, an overall minor adjustment that's likely to have little economic impact, but perhaps does more psychologically. Yes, very encouraging for sentiment, certainly. And globally, though, July CPI numbers have shown signs of rolling over, except, of course, as you mentioned, in Europe. That's right. In Europe, we've arguably seen some plateauing get the overall European number this week, which is expected to be the same for the overall number and the non-energy and food core number as it was last month, 8.9 and 4.0 respectively, year on year. However, intra-country numbers last week showed that for many countries, although the inflation number is increasing, the gradient has calmed considerably and importantly is 
beginning now to become in line with the expectations. As mentioned, the energy dynamic is very different in Europe that we've spoken about in China. European nations continue to be essentially blackmailed into what they pay for energy until a long-term solution is in place, which won't be the case for many years. Perhaps somewhat nations sort of consider this eight years ago when Russia initially annexed Crimea. Regardless of how much we peak now, the winter in Europe, however, looks to be long and hard. Yes, and the German economy seems to be facing almost a perfect storm at the moment. Yeah, that's right. Inflation there is obviously extended. Energy is an acute problem. The reliance on Russian gas is clear. And as that winter draws in, the difficult decisions will have to be made around what they prioritise, whether that's consumers, their industry or supporting Ukraine. To add to the difficulties, it's reported that following the extreme weather we've had, part of the Rhine, which acts as a vital artery for particular commodity and industry, is hitting levels that make sailing impossible, adding further to demand and supply headaches. Seamus, another significant and related piece of news from last week was President Biden's Inflation Reduction Act. Could you briefly outline what this act contains and crucially, what are the prospects that this will be signed into law? Indeed, the speed and scale of the act has surprised many. So essentially, it is a reworked version of the Build Back Better Act that was proposed near the beginning of Biden's presidency, an act that fell by the wayside because not all Democrats supported it, in particular a senator called Joe Manchin. But actually in the background in recent months, Democrats, they've continued to work on a modified version of the act. And last week, both houses of Congress in the US approved the act. So now it's expected that President Joe Biden will sign it into law very shortly. So the act is designed to reduce the deficit in the US and lower inflation, while also investing in domestic energy production and lowering healthcare drug costs. So the proposed legislation is expected to raise $725 billion, requiring some investments of over $433 billion. And the result would be a deficit reduction of almost $300 billion. Uh, other parts as well will allow Medicare to negotiate better prescription prices. Also, another component is to extend the Affordable Care Act. This is the Obamacare Act uh, for another three years to 2025. Uh, and another area, again, is just help the US meet its long-term emissions goals as well. So there's some of the clean energy and some of Biden's green credentials coming through in, in it as well. So it's a very important act, just probably a bit of a surprise to many because it hasn't got a lot of publicity. But yeah, it's likely to be signed into law very, very shortly. And that is quite an impressive and comprehensive win for President Biden. On the corporate front, though, we're now approaching the end of the Q2 reporting season. Could you pinpoint any trends emerging from US earnings? Well, the first trend is that it's actually been a very good earnings season. You know, expectations were low coming into this season, just given where we were at markets and the economy. But almost 80% of companies have beaten consensus, and those that have beaten them have beaten them by over 6% as well. So these two statistics are well above long-term averages. But in saying that, you know, a lot of the numbers when they came out in the management commentary that supported them, the trends and themes of inflation, supply chain issues, weakening demands, these have all continued to act as headwinds to the reported earnings, but also for the future as well. So the guidance that was coming out by a lot of these management and companies was quite mixed. And actually that was a lot of the focus of the markets as well. So, so a lot of the companies that beat their estimates, they weren't as rewarded as they might've been in the past because actually the markets were more interested in what they were saying about the next quarter and the year ahead. And the picture there was a bit more mixed across most to the sectors as well. So whilst it was a good earnings season, it wasn't rewarded in the same way it might normally have been because people are still worried by the future and the headwinds that continue to exist. Yes, that's fair enough. But shorter term, the week ahead, we can expect the minutes from the US Fed's July meeting. Also more data points shedding light on the situation with regard to inflation and of course growth. Any highlights for you then, Seamus? 
it's probably going to be a quieter week in terms of some of the big blockbuster data points that the markets tend to fixate on, certainly at the moment. Anything to do with inflation and labor markets gets a lot of attention. So we don't have any of those this week, but we do have more sentiment surveys. So get the Empire State survey coming out. You have U.S. retail sales. Again, it'll give you a good indication as to the state of the consumer and how they're being impacted by, you know, the, the cost of living crisis. Also, we have some housing data statistics. Again, you know, with the background of rising rates, how that is impacting the housing market, you know, a, a key barometer for the U.S. consumer and economy as well. So there is some interesting data points, which markets, again, will use to kind of give it a better indication as how things are going to develop from here. Yes, all a question of finding direction for the markets. And for you, Alex? Yeah, as mentioned, we get the overall EU CPI number, which is expected to plateau at 8.9%, the same as last month. We also get the second print of Q2 GDP for Europe, which should remain stable at 4.0% year on year. But worse news is expected for the UK. After Q2 tipped in negative growth, we could see inflation rising to 9.7% from 9.4% in June. And in Germany, the ZEW survey will be closely examined for signs of declining sentiment, with expectations, both the current and economic sentiment, to decline further into negative territory. Thank you both very much indeed. Thank you, Lorna. Thank you, Lorna.